All right, it's time for the Week 12 edition of the Block Party DFS show hosted by me, Pete Overzet, and my pal, Jam to Win from One Week Season. We're going to walk you through this Week 12 slate. Everyone is in a, a turkey fog, a Thanksgiving slate fog, but this is a forward-thinking show. We're going to tell you guys how to get to the top of the leaderboards in Week 12. Let's do it. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. I got auto match with Levitan. Bullshit. I just go the other way. In that 66, I went all the way. All the way. If I had 150 lineups, I'd win too. Well, AD, coach Bob, bullet seal, headlight, KD. Bust it, bust it. Bitch, go bust it. And I had 10 pints with me in Russia. Hey, everyone. You know what, Jam? I, I thought I was going to have to find another co-host this week. Last week, I was like, Jam's not going to be able to play. I'm going to have to find a new <laughs> DraftKings eligible co-host, but you you managed to uh, survive. Do you want to tell the people what happened? Yeah, so I feel uh, I feel a little wrong that it took one day for it to get resolved. because, <laughs> um, And I was never concerned either, but other people were like, oh, it took me six months to get my account back on. So I guess that's a function of uh, playing decent volume on there for 10 years and knowing Jason and uh, running a content site. But uh yeah, it was something about the internet, which the internet here isn't great. So my video might, uh, you know, whatever, blip a little bit. I think my my audio should be good. But the uh, something about the internet here, it's like reading it as me trying to mask my my location. And one of my <laughs> responses to support, I was like, I, I live in Oregon. I literally fly to Oakland every week to abide yeah. by the rules. Um, so like clearly, uh, like I'm not. I said you can track my location moving um, and see that. Like clearly, I'm not trying to. Uh, to do anything wrong here. I was just sitting in, in an Airbnb in Missouri where I can play DraftKings. So yeah, it was they I Sunday morning actually, you know, I I use the opto to build my 150 these days and I shop through them for my single entry three max. Yeah. My shopping through on Sunday morning was I I only had time to be like, I had to pick a number in my head and be like roster 36 and like scroll through and just pick that one or roster 45. Yeah. Um and hope I was picking good numbers because I was I got uh knocked out like locked out twice on Sunday morning and had to Goodness. like be back and forth to support. Um, and they said, if it happens again, you, you're, you could be banned for much longer. We can't do anything about it. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, I did get quote permanently banned. And then they, they let me back in. So, uh, I am, I'm trying to do only 5g the rest of this, uh, this time in Missouri with the, uh, with DraftKings access, because something about the internet here is, is thrown off their algo. So I was going to say, I assume that ban is entirely just an algorithmic thing that no one is even manually intervening with. It's like if these three things happen or whatever, like the account gets banned. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think the um, it was like a different person responding to me every time. So that all might be algorithmic <laughs> as well. But uh, yeah, but I've always had I've always had good. I, I know other people have maybe had bad situations with DraftKings support. I've always had good situations with DraftKings support. So, um, yeah, they got it resolved. Uh, I was able to. Uh, lose some money on the Thanksgiving slate and uh, looking forward to winning some money uh, this weekend. There you go. Well, glad, glad to have you back there. People were already getting their pitchforks out. They were like, we got a free appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we were going to we, have to do a show. You know, people wanted us to do that being like, what's going on. You're keeping one of your, you know, your best players off the site, but we're, we're good to go here. Hilo uh, did fill in last week, but do you want to check in with you uh, now that it was two slates ago, Thanksgiving and uh, week 11, but how did your week 11 slate go? Because we didn't get to touch base on that one. Yeah. Week 11 was, it was like a down a little bit. Um, not a great, not a great slate. I mean, it was a fine slate, not a great slate results wise, uh, if that makes sense. So 
Um, yeah, it was, you know, it was funny, but I really liked it for MME because I actually played a lot less single entry three max, which was good since my single entry three max ended up being just blindly picking rosters. But uh, <laughs> I felt really sharp about my tighter pool and not really sharp about my tightest pool. So it was kind of like great for uh, MME because, and I, I actually didn't, I didn't miss anybody. Like everybody who hit, I had and had decent exposure on a lot of them, but um, kind of one of those weird ones where it just didn't all line up on the right roster. So uh, turn the page and 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 move forward. Really, really, really like this week. We were talking before the show about everybody's behind on this week. And um, so this slate after Thanksgiving is always one of my favorites because I feel like content providers are behind, people who have their content consumption schedule that they follow, they're behind because of that, but then they're also behind because of the holiday. They put less time into thinking about the slate because they put time into the Thanksgiving slate. So yeah, I always really like this slate and try to find a way to to buckle down in my mind and get to the same point in my thought process that I'm typically at because I feel like the edge in this slate is big. And then this particular week, I feel like the edge is big on top of that. So um, yeah, this is, I might retire if I don't have a nice week this week because uh, I just feel like everything lines up, lines up well for me. Obviously we're playing a sample sizes game, but um, this is a week where I'll, I'll have a pretty easy time putting in a plus EV sample. Yeah, Ben. Ben is on top of it. He says Jam always loves the ugly slate, go. the uh, the van we need. Yeah, I've never heard you call a slate ugly. All you do is you see opportunity, and that's what that's. What I see opportunity, doing. man. I try to process information without judgment. So whatever we have, we have, and uh, I'll do my best. I will say uh, one thing that I I am judging is I don't have my yoga pants on today since I'm. Uh, dude, on. I have mine on. I got my yoga pants on. Today. Let's see them. Oh, I like it. Go. Mine are quite a bit tighter than that, so I didn't feel comfortable. <laughs> Uh, having them on around the fam. And so, uh, yeah, left them at home for the road trip and uh, having to do these in my, in my standard black jeans that I wear. Okay. So yeah, we'll see how we do. We'll see if that throws me off, but, uh, I feel like I can, I can power through and do my best and and yeah, we'll, we'll put together a good show and put together a good slate. All right. No one judge jams takes just because he's wearing black jeans today. Okay. Yeah. Uh I'll stand up and you guys can see those. I got the, is this, there we go. Okay. Look at this. The Everlane black jeans. I own like I own like ten pair of these, and I just that's all I wear um, outside of my yoga pants. So um, yeah, if you yeah. ever see me, this is what I'll be wearing. <laughs> you're like you're like the Steve Jobs of of DFS. You try to you know limit the amount of decisions you have to make by simplifying your wardrobe. That is quite literally like the thought process, but um, not because of Steve Jobs. But yes, I, <laughs> I just want to know what I'm wearing every day. So I got my gray um, shirt and my my black jeans. There we go. Well, let's uh, let's dig in so we can maximize here the next 50 minutes or so. We'll do a high-level overview of the Week 12 slate. Then we will go through the positions, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end, and then build a lineup on DraftKings with some of Jam's favorite building blocks. But, you know, we already kind of hinted at it, some lower totals this slate. Um, we do have a few marquee games. I would say the Texans-Jags game, total 47.5. And then, of course, this Eagles-Bills game, total of 48.5 are going to garner a decent amount of attention. But then, you know, a bunch of low totals otherwise across the board. What are your kind of macro thoughts on Week 12? Yeah, so one of the things I was looking through last night, I was like going through all the games and asking myself which which of these games could shoot out. And there's, I mean, there's you can kind of make a case for the Rams and the Cardinals. Um, there's actually some interesting cases to be made for the Steelers and Bengals. Um, but there's really like there's there's three games that could shoot out. It's Bucks and Colts. It's uh, Jags and Texans, and it's um, and it's the Eagles and Bills. And the chances of Bucks and Colts and Jags and Texans shooting out are, are actually 
it's quite a bit lower than the field is going to give them credit for. So, um, you know, as we like to say, like once, once when the players step on the field, they don't know that. Right. So in the small sample size of one slate, it could still happen, but just in terms of how you allocate your rosters to be as, as plus CV as possible, uh, the field is going to overrate the uh, potential of those games shooting out uh, kind of based on some what's happened recently, right. For these, some of these teams and some of these situations. Um, but yeah, so I was actually, I really liked this slate. And then I was looking at, ownership projections this morning, which is, you know, largely algorithmic uh, this early in the week. But, um, and I liked it even more because it's like, boy, everybody that I'm on, not everybody that I'm on, but like by and large, what I'm on, people are not on and what I'm not on the field is on. So um, makes the week even better for me. But I think weeks like this, it's just harder for people because there's just not a lot that stands out. And so when they flock to bad chalk, it, it just helps us quite a bit. So yeah, there's just not a lot, lot of, not a lot of games that can really shoot out. So when we're thinking about what can separate, which is what we always want to think about, what can really separate from everything else, uh, we got to think about what players can score 30 plus points. And we got to think about like what games can like score dramatically higher than everything else. And there's only really three options that can score dramatically higher than everything else. I, I will just follow up just because uh, you mentioned maybe a, a little bit more intrigue than the field will have in general for Steelers Bengals. We talk that one through because I, I'm with you on that. I, I filed my hidden gems piece for fantasy life and uh, I wrote up the Steelers who are all basically going undrafted in the battle royale contest this week. So I had a little interest there as well. But tell me what you saw in this game. Yeah, there's uh, I mean a number of things, right? So the Steelers are one of the top red zone defenses in the NFL but they're, they allow the fifth most yards per game and the Bengals allow the second most yards per game. So tell me like you got a game with two teams that allow among the five most yards per game and, and you don't have any interest in it um, because all it takes is, you know, you play, play out that game a hundred times. There's going to be times where those teams break through in the red zone. Uh, obviously you're going from one of the best quarterbacks in football in Burrow down to a, a backup, a 27 year old backup without much starting experience or much NFL experience, I should say uh, in Jake Browning. But also we have Zach Taylor, not, Here's what Zach Taylor is, right? He's not one of the best play designers. Uh, they, they don't do a lot of motion. They don't do a lot to scheme up guys to get open, but he is one of the best play callers in terms of sequencing his plays, understanding what the defense is expecting, keeping the defense off balance, uh, and sequencing his plays in such a way that he creates expectations from the defense that he then exploits by doing something different from that. So I would expect him to have a, a good feel for how to call this game. Right? This is a team that went to the AFC championship last year and the, the Super Bowl the year before, like this is a good coach in terms of understanding what to do with his personnel. I would expect him to call a lot of short passes for Jamar Chase and just kind of get him into space. So this is the sort of spot where like, look, the price on Jamar Chase hasn't gone any lower and now it's Jake Browning under center. So how attractive is he? I don't know, but I would expect him to get 12 to 14 targets, probably a lot of short area looks. So interesting spot for Jamar Chase, obviously interesting spot for Joe Mixon. And then on the other side, again, the Bengals, you know, have allowed the second most yards per game in the NFL. Matt Canada fired. So what's going to change? Well, probably more than anything, player usage is going to change. So um, I've heard it on like every, I've heard it on like PFF has talked about it this week. Uh, Chris Long has talked about it this week. Chris Sims has talked about it this week. Everyone's like, you know, I bet they get Jalen Warren like more involved. And that was my first thought. And then Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, had that take this week. And so do we know that? No, but ideally we don't know that. Ideally we don't get reports that clearly yeah. say, oh, they're going to give Jalen Warren uh, a lot more touches. He started the last two weeks, just Najee Harris is still getting more of the touches. Uh, Jalen Warren, hundred yards in back-to-back -back games without getting, you know, these 20 plus touches, averaging 6.2 yards per carry, uh, most in the NFL among qualified running backs. So uh, I think that in this great rushing matchup, Jalen Warren is very interesting. And I think George Pickens is also really interesting because 
uh, this Bengals team uh, don't have the exact. Actually, let me let me find uh, the exact numbers right here in my notes. Um, okay, so this Steelers team has allowed uh, 109 yards to Brandon Ayuk on nine targets. Um, 172 yards to Noah Brown on eight targets, 116 yards to Odell Beckham on seven targets. Uh, George Pickens very clearly is the kind of guy, uh, oh, Tyler Lockett also 109 yards on eight targets. Very clearly the kind of guy who could get seven to nine targets and put up that type of output. Like he has that type of skill set and talent. So uh, just a very interesting spot, I think, where the field will be hesitant to go there. And I see opportunity to exploit that where the pricing is really nice on the Steelers side of the ball and the talent is there. So and the opportunity for yards should be there. So they can just convert those into points. Uh, really nice setup for them. Yeah, not to belabor this game too much, but I did want to ask you a question because like one of the things and the reasons Matt Canada got fired is his offense was incredibly bland, lacked creativity, lots of stuff to the boundary. And you see like the best offenses in football using the pre-snap motion, getting their best playmakers the ball over the field so they can get yards after the catch. Do you think like without Canada, are they going to run just a similar version of what they have been doing because it's too hard to change on the fly? Or do you think we'll actually see some more inventive concepts installed in the offense? So, so I would, I think it would be hard to have a lot, unless they've been practicing these and not calling them in games, it would be hard to have a lot more inventive concepts because timing is so critical on those things. You know, one of the, one of the reasons I got onto that bills offense, the, the back end of Josh Allen's rookie year was nobody was watching bills games. And I started watching them. And it was like, Oh, this Brian Dable offense has like all this motion and all the, all, like all this interesting stuff that he was doing. But what I kept saying was it kind of looks like, like it, it looks like a slightly disjointed version of one of these great, like, lots of motion pre-snap stuff offenses because the timing just wasn't exactly right on it. So if you don't have the timing exactly right, you can't really call it in games. And so much of that is down to like the, the millisecond in terms of everything being in place. So I can't imagine they get like a bunch of pre-snap motion and um, creative concepts going. So what would be the main thing that Sullivan could do stepping in as, as the play caller? The main thing that he could do is just say, who are we going to emphasize in the yeah. game plan? Uh, so that's where I kind of see, you know, uh, and, and calling more, every team has route concepts that have guys running routes over the middle of the field. Right. And so uh, that's something that I think Sullivan could also do is, is, okay, let's call some more routes in the middle of the field. Uh, let's call some more, uh, let, let's call some more plays to George Pickens. Uh, let's run the ball with Jalen Warren a little bit more. So I would expect that this week. Awesome. Let's dig into quarterback here. Uh, definitely some really nice options at the high end. Of course, our cover boy, Jalen Hurts, uh, Josh Allen in that game environment. Then you have the two quarterbacks in that Jacksonville-Houston game who look like they'll catch some interest. And then you mentioned uh, that Colts and Bucks game. I think Baker and Minshew will garner some interest as well. But I would say fairly wide open, some decent kind of punt, intriguing play, sub 6K. Where are you looking at quarterback this week? Well, we weren't allowed to put Josh Allen as the cover boy because because <laughs> Hilo stole that, that last week, week. Uh, against the Jets. So shout out to Hilo for having some balls there and, and throwing yeah. Josh Allen on there. I watched that show and I was like, man, this is uh, – every time I listen to Hilo, uh, which if you guys don't watch his show with Lord Reeves searching for ceiling, it's a tremendous show. Uh, Lord Reeves, one of the sharpest guys out there as well. But – Every time I listen to Hilo, I'm like, man, how did we get this guy at, at OWS? And I was thinking that throughout the show, uh, watching back the show with you last week. And then he then he pulled out the Josh Allen, Gabe Davis deck. And I was like, now nobody's going to listen to Hilo. Everybody's going to think <laughs> this guy. Uh, and Josh Allen goes out and puts up whatever. He put up like 32 points or something. Um, yeah, or I guess exactly. the Bills put up 32 points. Um, yeah, so this is one of, like, I look at this slate and I'm just like, well, let's run through this. Okay. 
take out take out salary because once game starts, mm-hmm. salary doesn't matter. What what matters is raw points. Take out salary. Okay, here's the number of times that quarterbacks on this slate have scored 27.2 or more DraftKings points. It's a somewhat arbitrary number. I have my own reasons for starting at that point. But uh, Ritter, one time. Mac Jones, one time. Gardner Minshew, one time. Russell Wilson, one time. Trevor Lawrence, one time. CJ Stroud, one time. Patrick Mahomes, one time. Jalen Hurts, three times. Josh Allen, three times. And then how many times have the the Eagles allowed a quarterback to go for 27.2 or more? Four times. So it's like, to me, I look at this slate and I'm just like, like, I'm going to have – can I say this? I'm going to have like 50% Josh Allen this week or you more. Um, yeah. and, and it's like, and then I look at ownership and he's like the fourth or fifth highest projected owned quarterback. Um, and I was kind of hoping that would be the case because the implied team total there is, is low. And a lot of that is around perception around this team. They are, let me see if I get this right, but I think it's their second in the NFL in offensive EPA. They're third in the NFL in offensive DVOA. And the narratives around this team, you know, people watch ESPN, right? And ESPN's like, he leads the NFL in interceptions. Like, yeah, let's take away his three interception against the Jets. He has the same number of interceptions as, I believe it's as Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and one more than Tua. And those guys are leading the, the MVP race, right? So it's like the, the narrative around this team is so different from the reality where this is this like heading into last week, it was literally one of the best five and five teams in NFL history by like all the advanced metrics. And so uh, I think the, the narrative plus the low implied team total, I was kind of looking at it like, man, I hope that Josh Allen isn't 20% owned because of these factors. Like maybe people will just not be on it. And I think that optimizers and projection systems are just not going to be on it, which is going to lower ownership a little bit. So to me, that's the starting point is like Josh Allen. And then I'll have Hertz exposure kind of playing off the fact that I have, uh, you know, I always do that, right? If I have a ton of one quarterback, it's like, let me bet on the other way this game could play out. So, um, and then then from there, it's going to be like some Stroud and and, probably not a lot of Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's got three games all year of two touchdown passes, no games of three touchdown passes. Uh, Last week was the first time I rostered him all year and he kind of bailed me out with the the two rushing touchdowns. Uh, I had like 12% Lawrence last week. Um, And then probably some Minshew and and some, some uh, Baker, because I think that game's really interesting. But um, yeah, to me, like the, this, the other thing I like about the Eagles and, and Bill's game is when two teams that can score a lot of points when they play each other, they call games totally differently because they know that no lead is safe. And they know that we've got to go out and try to score on every drive. We've got to be aggressive. And already, you know, um, really interesting Nick Sirianni after their game against Miami, he was asked about, you know, Hey, you guys kind of uh, took some more time off the play clock early in the game than you normally do. They said, was that a function of you trying to keep the Miami offense off the field? And he said, basically he was like, let me set the record straight. Uh, he said, if, if we're ever running the play clock, like that's just incidental. He said, we will never be a team that is using our offense to try to keep the opponent off the field. We will always be a team that's as aggressive as we can be and try to score as many points as we can as quickly as we can. Uh, and that's going to be the mindset for the Eagles. That's going to have to be the mindset for the Bills. You can't run against the Eagles. The teams are averaging 40.5 pass attempts per game against the Eagles, which is an outlandish number. Yeah. And every time that Josh Allen, in fact, uh, Josh Allen, I believe it's every time he's thrown for 40 plus passes this year, Gabe Davis has hit 20 plus DraftKings points. Uh, I could have that wrong, but it's like maybe he's, he's thrown for like 38 plus passes four or five times. Gabe Davis is hitting three of those. Um, so yeah, it's just, a, I mean, it's just a great spot where I always try to ask myself if I'm, if I'm not playing, I always try to ask myself, okay, if I lose, cause this guy has a big game, am I going to be okay with that? And so as long as the answer is yes. And it's like, okay, like if this guy somehow hits, that's okay. And then with Josh Allen, it's like, if I lose, cause he bombs in this spot, am I okay with that? Um, yeah, I, I had to ask myself the same question. You know, only played one roster on the Thanksgiving slate, but I had to ask the same question with Dak yesterday of like, yeah. this is so obvious to me, but am I okay? Like 
losing because Dak bombs in this spot. Yeah, I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. um, unfortunately, I had uh, I had Logan Thomas in the the Lions defense instead of I could have gone. Uh, what was it? T- Tucker Craft and the and the Cowboys defense would put me like up in the top five percent instead of out of the money. Oh, but, uh, yeah, one of those spots where you like I got to ask that question. And say, okay, if Josh Allen bombs here, am I okay with you know 50, 60 percent of my roster is being dust because of that? Yeah, totally okay with that. Um, just a great spot for uh, the Buffalo pass attack this week. Yeah, I wonder if they're because I it does surprise me. Like when you said that too, I would have assumed that Josh Allen would have been pacing to be one of the more popular quarterbacks. And I'm seeing what you're saying about fifth. You know, Rhett Lawrence, Hurts, Baker, and Minshew all projecting for more ownership ahead of him. Do you think there's a little bit of people still like have this overall view of the Eagles defense as being tough. And then you watch Patrick Mahomes struggle against them, which was more so his wide receivers letting him down and less so, you know, the matchup. I'm just trying to figure out why there isn't more interest right now. I mean, I always try to separate like what the field is because we're, we're competing against the field to finish in the money. And then we're competing yeah. against Utical and Osimo and CSU and like these guys to finish in first, right. By and large. And so I always try to think about the two buckets and the first bucket, the field, I think that they're, I think they're influenced by what they see on ESPN and the talking heads, you know, talking about this Bill's offense, not being the same and all that, that type of stuff. Um, and then I think that the, the, our sharpest competition, they're typically looking at implied team totals, over-unders, projections, and those are projections, Sims, those are heavily influenced by implied team totals. Um, and so I think there's just on both sides, there are a lot of factors that are just not really pulling people toward the Josh Allen play as much as, they necessarily should be pulled toward it. That makes sense. Let's, um, uh, I want to ask you more specifically about Stroud because I'm again, looking at some early ownership projections. It seems like people have sticker shock with this price tag at 7,700 because I can't otherwise really explain why there wouldn't be interest in him in this matchup against the Jags at home, which to me seems like a really good matchup. It sounds like you're, you're in on Stroud this week as well. Uh Oh, we got frozen JM here right when he was about to deliver his soliloquy about CJ Stroud. I also want to get JM's thoughts here on uh, Desmond Ritter at 4,800. He's a bit of the uh, the Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith uh, whisperer here. You know, sorting by value on the slate, and we'll uh, hopefully get JM back here in a second as he fixes his internet. I am pretty surprised to see Trevor Lawrence uh, projected for over 20% in small field. Um, Lawrence has not been good this year. I don't like the matchup necessarily on the road at Houston. So that is kind of, uh, an interesting spot there. And it seems like Evan Ingram is once again going to be popular. It seems like, uh, people will be playing Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley. So I don't know. I definitely enjoy the idea of going to the other side of that game there, but I'm curious in the chat, do you guys have any of the other, uh, punt plays that you're entertaining? You know, uh, JM mentioned, perhaps having some interest in this Cincinnati and Steelers game. Kenny Pickett's only 4,800. Um, I'm kind of interested in in the Derek Carr-Ritter in this game environment. I know ETR's Pat Thorman had this as a pace-up spot, and so I think that could be interesting here as well. While we get JM back, one thing I did want to mention, I do have it uh, pinned in the chat here because our friends over at ETR are running a discount on the solver. So you guys have seen me talk about it. If you guys are YouTube members, I did that show with jam to win on the crams. I talk about it uh, a good bit here. So just wanted to mention that they are offering 50% off with uh, code NFL 50. If you guys want to try out the solver, they have a few different, uh, 
uh, price points. If you want to do the optimizer for monthly, you can now get that for $17.49. If you want to do the single lineup simulator, you can get it for $9.99. And their 20 lineup simulator, you can get it for $19.99. So one of my favorite things to do is I like hand building my lineups. And then you can go run those in the solver and simulate them against the field you're playing. So I'm often playing in the spies, can simulate the lineups. I can compare two lineups, like which 2v2 grades better in the sims. That's how I've been using it. So if you want to check that out, take advantage of that discount. It's a uh, uh, promo code NFL50 will get you 15, uh, 50% off. And I have that link here in the chat and in the description. Let's see here. Do we have JM back yeah, here? Can, Looks you, like can I, you hear I, me? I have your audio. Yes. Yeah. I decided to turn off. Uh, internet completely left me. So I, what I'm doing is a hotspot and doing no video. So that's fine. how's the audio? Your your audio sounds good. Yeah. Your audio sounds good. Man. Uh, we, we probably should have, I probably should have called an audible and done like no live today because of, uh, potential internet issues. But, uh, here we are, we're still, we're rolling forward. We're pros. Um, yes, it was, yeah. I had just asked you about, uh, CJ. CJ Stroud. Yeah. So, uh, if I, uh, I'll probably be, I mean, I'm definitely going to be overweight the field, you know, if he's in this like five to 6% owned range. And I think sticker shock is part of it. And this is the sort of week where I want to take the price tags off of players, a little bit more because not a lot of guys are going to score 25 plus points. Um, at the same time, you know, Stroud doesn't really run the ball. So I kind of liken him to, to Tua where it's like, what, what is the ceiling, right? He has that five touchdown game and that stands out right. like, Oh, he put up 46 points. Um, you know, this is only a game above like 25 and a half DraftKings points. So um, I'm more interested in his pass catchers. You know, speaking of, I, I ran some interesting numbers uh, on the, like this 27.2 plus point threshold. Okay. Yeah. Um, so to give some context here, the Chiefs have two players all year who've gone for 27.2 or more DraftKings points. Uh, the Raiders have three players. The Eagles have five, which is really good. Uh, the Bills have yeah. three, all were Stefan Diggs. Uh, the Panthers have three, all were Adam Thielen. The Giants have two, so on and so forth. The Texans have eight. Eight times that a guy has gone for 27.2 or more DraftKings points. Uh, Dell's done it three times. Nico's done it twice. Schultz has done it once. Uh, Noah Brown's done it twice. Uh, and basically like, you know, we haven't had Dell, Nico and Brown healthy together yet this year. So every time that this offense hits, which they didn't in week one against Baltimore, they went through kind of cold stretches weeks five through eight with the buy in there. Uh, every other week, one of these two wide receivers has gone for this type of score. And when we go through this list, right, like only two from the Chiefs all year, only two from the Giants, three from the Panthers, two from the Titans, five from the Rams, three from the Browns. Like you see how rare these scores are. So the fact right. that one or the other of these guys every week is hitting that type of score, I mean, that's just like so powerful. So uh, definitely going to have a lot of interest in those two pass catchers because there's just so much ceiling. Uh, I really think this Shanahan scheme is is like a great matchup against the Jags defense. Uh, that was my thesis the first time these teams played, uh, and that was right. It was my thesis when the 49ers played them and it ended up being right. So uh, really like the matchup here, not to say that it can't kind of go the wrong way this week, but I like the matchup uh, and like the wide receivers and I'll have some Stroud, but um, matching him up against Josh Allen, like who outscores the other, like I would take, I would take Allen nine times out of 10 in that, in that kind of comparison. Um, so Stroud is like head and shoulders above a lot of other guys on this slate for me, but Allen's head and shoulders above him. 
Makes sense. Real quick before we move on here, uh, you mentioned we talked a little bit about that Steelers game. Are there any other quarterbacks that are cheap this week that you're interested in? I, I specifically wanted to ask you about that Saints and uh, Falcons game. I noticed it was a pace up game. I know you're also a little bit of an Arthur Smith whisperer. Any any love for, <laughs> for Ritter or the cheap guys in this game from a quarterback standpoint? Uh, no, I don't have any interest in this game. Um, okay. how is it talking to just like a, a, a little sound avatar? It's, it's beautiful. Ever since I knew that you weren't wearing your Lulu pants, I was like, I don't even want to look at this guy in the, <laughs> I, um, so this is- the, the internet's actually working now, but I'd have to switch internet connections. So I, I won't, uh, I won't even risk it. I'll just stay like this, I guess the rest of the way. Um, uh- yeah, you could uh, maybe when we transition at some point, you uh, you can give it a yeah, shot you here. Hit your uh, hit our promos for um, we have Black Friday stuff going on on OWS. So whenever we hit that, you can uh, I'll I'll try and switch over to the other internet. Okay, actually do that right now. I'll hit the right. Uh, right. hit or, yeah. I I I got you covered here. Jam's gonna switch internet. I am going to uh, mention here that uh, you guys can get fifty percent off. Promo code Pete50 will get you going over there on one week season. And although I do need to look up, he said maybe they have a different uh, Black Friday deal. It looks like we got JM back here. There you are. You're back. All right. You good? Um, I'm good. Tell me. So I told people we got the 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 Pete 50, 50% off, but do you have anything special though for Black Friday you were mentioning? Yeah. So the, um, if you go to the homepage, it is, the homepage is, is set up with the black Friday. And then you go to that page and it has like all the black Friday deals, but, um, it's $49 inner circle for the rest of the year, 39 bucks for the optimizer for the rest of the year. Um, props insider is five ninety nine, And the, the Pete code takes 20% off of that for any of you who want to use that. Um, our profit is now up to over $12,000 for anybody who's just followed every bet and bet a hundred bucks per unit, uh, hundred plus 120 units. And last year we did plus 90 units in NBA alone. We're only one month into NBA. So um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of cool opportunities to take advantage. Uh, all the uh, DFS courses are 50% off uh, up through all of this is through the end of like Monday night football. So uh, if you watch this show and you think some of the stuff we talk about is interesting and you kind of learn some stuff, um, good chance to hop on, on some of these. Cause um, yeah, we still have, you know, seven weeks of the season left plus playoffs. So um, yeah, a lot of cool stuff there. Perfect. Check that out. As usual, if you guys are uh, watching this on YouTube, I do got the link to head over there to one week season in the description. Uh, same for the audio listeners. I know a good chunk of you now listen to this on the In a Vacuum podcast feed. I got the links in the description there as well. Jam, let's transition over to running back here for week 12. You know, when I'm looking at some kind of early value stuff, you are seeing both the running backs in that Colts and Tampa Bay game popping in Jonathan Taylor and Rashad White. Not a ton of high-end options, no CMC, no Eckler on this slate. And then you got a lot of question marks with all of the other kind of high-end guys. Like, what's Kamara's role these days? Travis Etienne now losing some work to Dearness Johnson and Tank Bigsby. Um, we also are going to get Kyron Williams back on this slate. So some interesting wrinkles here. Where are you thinking at running back? Yeah, tell me, tell me, try to explain to me the Jonathan Taylor um Love. I mean, obviously that's got to be projection based. I don't get, I mean, what, how many times are we going to, this is like scream four. This is like the fourth time we're going to uh, have the the slasher defense of the Buccaneers take out a super popular running back. Um, I was kind of looking at Jonathan Taylor last night and I was like, Ooh, this could be kind of sneaky. You know, he's got the role and the Colts have, they've had a couple good rushing games against really good run defenses. And then you look and it's like, 
wait, well, he's projected the highest owned running back on the slate, like against the the Bucks. So yeah, he's one of those like when I see a guy who I think is sneaky, I still end up playing them at like the percentage that I would have played them at, you know. So like yeah. that just means I'll have like six percent Jonathan Taylor, um, and then the field will have him at like thirty percent. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't understand that one. Not to say that he can't hit. Um, again, you know the the Colts have produced one game this year of. 27.2 or more DraftKings points. It was Zach Moss. It was in a tough run game matchup. So uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor could do it. Uh, Levante David is going to be out for the Bucks. That helps the matchup, but Vita Bay is still playing. Just a really tough matchup for running back. So um, yeah, not super interested in, in that spot myself. I like Rashad White. Uh, really like seeing Derrick Henry super low projected ownership. Um, to yeah, me, I was know, surprised by that too. Always, always, always attack that Panthers run defense. Um, they're bad, um, EPA per rush. They're one of the best teams to attack Uh pass rate over expectation. They're one of the best teams, you know, the teams always lean toward the run against them raw pass play rate, the lowest pass play rate against the Panthers in the NFL. Uh, and we know that the Titans, even when they play good run defenses, they still try to lean on that run game. Uh, interesting stat, you know, the Titans, they've only played three games in Nashville this year. They're actually three, you know, in, in Nashville, That's crazy. um, they had a London game and that, uh, or I think it was London, but they were, I think they were the home team in that. So that took up one of their home games and a bunch of road games early. So um, yeah, there's only there, you know, and, and there's, there was talk in the off season that um, Derek Henry's got like some cognitive stuff going on with all the hits he's taken and that this is going to be his last year. And um, you know, so if they know that in the building, uh, this is a great chance for them to get him, him going as well. So um, I think recency bias playing a big role in this, where he's got these, these two bad, outputs against who against Tampa Bay and Jacksonville, two really good run defenses. Um, but a lot of these 19 point scores this year, and then the 27 pointer this year, realistically, he's got 22 to 25 carries in every Titans win averaging 12.7 carries in their losses. So realistically, this is one of those spots where they should be able to get them 22 plus carries where they would probably like to get them 22 plus carries. Uh, and I'll, I'll put my money on Derrick Henry doing well with that number of carries. Uh, I like Kyron Williams. I like uh, Rashad White. Uh, I like Jalen Warren, uh, as we talked about earlier. Um, I like DeAndre Swift as a bring back in that uh, in that Bills Eagles game. So yeah, nothing really stands out. I, and I'd love to. Um, I guess maybe I'll stay off Jerome Ford this week so that you guys can play Jerome Ford and make money. Um, <laughs> Jerome Ford, that roller coaster. I don't yeah. get it. Last last week it was like he had like eight carries on the first drive or drive and a half, and then all of a sudden finishes the game with like 11 or 12 carries. So, uh, but really great spot for him as well. So uh, yeah, that's kind of, I think those are kind of the running backs that I'm eyeing at this point. All right. Let me ask you about a few other ones that I think I, I mentioned the Travis Etienne stuff. Have we, it seems by the usage that we've seen a meaningful change in his role. Do you think that's small sample size noise or here to stay? I think it's small sample size noise. I mean, no, no running back really continues to get, 25 plus touches, right? So there's going to be these games, like even Kyron Williams, I think our perception is like, man, he got so many touches. He had a 28 touch game. And then like his other games were 15 to 20 touches. Um, most of these guys are going to all, all said and done average like 16, 17 touches. So uh, I would imagine ETN, he's still going to have these games with 20 plus touches at the same time. You know, we've seen it since the start of last year. And I, you know, I always check to see what other sharp DFS players are doing. And we probably talked about it on the, on the show last year, but partway through last season, I noticed a lot of uh, rosters from big T where he was like even taking sub five K running backs and loading up on as many expensive wide receivers as he could. And we've talked about how the running back roles have changed. And uh, Mike Johnson, who writes a bunch of great content for OWS, he's been texting me lately about, you know, he's been tracking all of his like 
low cost running back rosters versus high cost running back roster. It's just so plus EV with the way that teams are using running backs in today's NFL. It's so plus EV to pay down at running back. So I don't necessarily go like the sub 5k pass catching running backs and, and then just lo load up on the top wide receiver, especially on a slate like this, where there's not a lot to love at the high end of wide receiver or a season like this, where we keep getting all these 30 point scores in the 5k wide receiver range, low 6k wide receiver range. But I do think kind of staying in the 6k 6,100 and below range, right? ETN has, what I think, one game above 26 points this year. So he gets that 39-pointer, yeah. and it kind of stands out to everyone. But typically, he's getting you 21, 22, 15. And it's like, that's a lot to pay for that when you compare that to wide receivers priced in that range. You know, Puka and Thielen, where you're getting these, these you know, multiple 30-point games. So um, I just don't typically pay up for running back when I can avoid it. And uh, that's really my pull away from ETN more than than the matchup or the role or anything like that. Um, I would consider it small sample size noise. Um, I, I, I have a couple other guy running backs. I know we're uh, running short on time to get to everything we want to get to, but uh, got to ask about Kyron Williams. Back this week, we saw him have a monster role before he was placed on IR. They immediately waved Darrell Henderson, pretty clearly signaling, hey, we got our guy back. Any love for 6,600 Kyron Williams here? Yeah, I think, I mean, like I said, you know, one game of 28 touches, the others of 15 to 20. And I think that we stay in that range, seven touchdowns. So I'm always, you know, touchdowns are the least predictable element in fantasy. So I'm always hesitant to lean too heavily into a guy whose primary output comes from touchdowns. But at the same time, would it surprise us if he has a two touchdown game here? It, it shouldn't. So yeah, I look at him as like, He's he's scarier for me to pull the trigger on, but he's still really sharp in terms of if we take out range of outcomes and just look at ceiling and frequency at which he'll hit the ceiling, like he still fits into that discussion of guys who should be in our tournament pool. So uh, definitely like Kyron Williams this week. Two other guys that I think are popping kind of relative to points per dollar. Um, Javante Williams, 5,700. Ramondre Stevenson, 5,800. Any interest down there? Yeah, I'll toss I James Conner in there as well at 5,900. No thanks on James Conner. I don't really get the Javante. Like Javante Williams isn't on my list. Um, like from researching the games and, and how I attack things, uh, he just wasn't on my list. So uh, I'll leave that at that. So that's not to say don't play him. It's just like he, I'm not playing him is kind of how I look at it. Um, and I'll be surprised if he buries me for not having played played him against that Brown defense. Um same thing with, with Ramondre Stevenson, you know, uh, the Patriots have, I, I also kind of calculated guys who have gone for Forex, their salary across all these teams. Uh, the Patriots have had, let's see, we, we throw out Kendrick Bourne, right? They've had, um, three guys who have done it and Ramondre Stevenson's done it once, you know? So it's like, yeah, he could do it, but, um, actually, uh, Hunter Henry's done it three times, but two of those were like at the very beginning of the season. Um, so yeah, now I'm not super interested in Ramondre Stevenson or just bad offenses in general. Yep. Uh makes sense here. Let's move on to wide receiver. We have a couple of the premium guys at the top end, AJ Brown, Stefan Diggs in this game we've been talking about. We did get news right as we were starting the show that Cooper Cup is going to play this week. Um, bit of a surprise, at least to me. We got the wide receivers uh from Houston who are gonna project well, obviously. Um, and then some of these secondary guys, Puka Nakua, Devontae Smith of the world. Um, I'm just kind of looking at the high end right now. Uh, I assume you are gravitating toward uh, Bills and Eagles. Anything else that uh, jumps out or do you want to expand on those guys? Nothing else really jumps out. You know, I mentioned Thielen as somebody who, or did I mention Thielen? Thielen in that same game as yeah. Derrick Henry. I mean, just one of these 
um, you know, flow chart type matchups. And now everyone's off of Adam Thielen. So uh, I like Thielen in that game at 7,300. I like Tank Dell at 6,900, but above though, above that price tag, the only ones that really stand out to me, the only one who really stands out to me is Stefan Diggs. But then you kind of look at AJ Brown and you say, if I'm betting on this game going this way, uh, some injuries in the bills secondary, I'm not as, I, I won't put as much stock into that in terms of like, Oh, now this becomes a great matchup. I, I won't put as much stock into that as other people will. Cause so much of what makes the bills good is structural. And so uh, can they plug in another guy and still communicate? Well, we've seen it in the past, right? Even when Poyer and Hyde have both been hurt, they've still been able to plug guys in and, kind of keep things uh, on on a level. And um, yeah, Poyer's been, been moving down in the box more uh, since they lost Matt Milano. And so, you know, um, uh, who is it? Their number three safety who who's hurt now. Um, he's going to be out, right? So that changes things a little bit, but it's like, it, it still doesn't change things enough for me to be like, to feel this is a soft matchup. Um, but AJ Brown, I'll have plenty of him just as part of like, hey, I'm betting on this game environment. And then Diggs and then uh, Thielen and, and Dell and Nico. That's kind of the guys, right? And those like, 6,400 and above who really stand out to me. How should people be thinking about the Rams here? Because like I said, cut back, he's 8K. Puka, who probably was shaping up to be a pretty nice play without Cup at 7,600. You know, the Cardinals have definitely been pretty forgiving to opposing pass games. What do you think about the Rams guys? Are they now in dicey territory with both of them playing? I, I mean, yeah, like, does one of them hit? Honestly, maybe. Um it feels like such a guessing game, but it's also a slate where how many guys are going to score 27 plus DraftKings points? How many skill position players, right? Five, six, seven yeah. at most. So uh, if one of them does it, you need them on a roster more than likely. Um, you know, there might be only five guys who do it. And so uh, I'm kind of still working through how I'll handle that one. Uh, typically I have my, uh, I have some other stuff pulled up on my computer to look at my lists and I, I didn't, I don't have that because of the internet issues here in this Airbnb, but um, the uh, Jamar Chase and, and Mike Evans, two other guys I didn't mention a moment ago, who I, I like both of them kind of in different ways and at different levels. I like Mike Evans a decent amount. Um, I've only played him twice this year. It was the two weeks he hit. So kind of hoping to keep that streak going. Jamar Chase, obviously a lot more risk factors and the price doesn't really match up with the situation, but I think he's at least interesting. Uh, the Rams. Yeah. That's one where I haven't really sorted through because I was just kind of, I didn't waste brain power on like, what do I do if Cup plays? You know, it was just kind of like, okay, let's just assume Puka plays, Cup doesn't. Uh, now Cup plays and it's like, man, still a decent chance one of them hits, but you're really guessing on on how that plays out. Maybe neither of them hits. So uh, yeah, no, no major thoughts on that yet. Uh, I see our guy Ben in the chat asking about Michael Pittman. It does look like he is going to be one of the more popular wide receivers on the slate at 6,800. You did mention having a little bit of interest in Minshew. Does that carry over to the wide receivers? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that the, the Bucks pass defense is definitely going to be like misperceived. Um, who's hit the Bucks for like big games? Justin Jefferson, DJ Moore. AJ Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tank Dell, Brandon Ayuk, and then Noah Brown. So Noah Brown's the only like non-elite guy. If you're comfortable yeah. putting Tank Dell into that elite category. I am. <laughs> um, and so really it's, it's, and he's part of that elite Texans offense, right? They're just consistently producing big games. So like the Bucks defense really go through their game logs. They, they got smashed by the 49ers and the, the Texans, right? And that's really it. And I think that people are kind of like, man, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Um, 
you know, Michael Pittman, he, you look through his game logs, it's very similar to old Keenan Allen, right? Where people like him because it's just always double digits, but he has one game of, I think like 25, 26 DraftKings points, something like that. Like everything is in this kind of, kind of mid-teens range. Yeah. So yeah, no, I definitely like, you know, the, the Colts have two games all year of 100 plus receiving yards, one for Pittman, one for Downs. Uh, they have four games all year of over 86 receiving yards, two for Pittman, two for Downs. So I can definitely see Pittman having a solid game. There's an outlier opportunity for him to have like a big game, a tournament winning game, but his price just doesn't match up with his typical range of production. So I'll have Pittman because I'll have some stacks built around this game, um, but he's not a player I'm going to isolate as like a one-off away from this game. So I don't know that, that necessarily means I'm going to set a rule where it's like Pittman only with Baker and, uh, and, uh, and Minshew. Uh, I'm not necessarily setting that rule, but maybe my rule will be like on 80% of Pittman rosters have Minshew or Baker, just because I like, he's not a guy that I isolate as a one-off. I want to play away from there. Uh, I have a little bit more interest in downs as a one-off because he, he, like his role isn't too different. We've had back-to-back games where he's kind of had these down games, but uh, the four games before that, his role had pretty much been the same as Pittman's, but he's got this 2K discount in price. So uh, a little more in- interest in downs. Um, nothing against Pittman. I just, I don't think that the ceiling has many opportunities to show up. Real quick, another duo here before we start to build a lineup, and we'll also talk a little tight ends as we build. Um, it looks like the Saints wide receivers are going to catch some interest here. I do worry we're getting like a bit of an ownership bump because of Michael Thomas being ruled out. I'm kind of of the belief that I don't know if Shahid and Olave's role changes that much. Curious your thoughts on the Saints here. Shahid, 4,300. Chris Olave, 6,600. Yeah, I mean, the Saints have allowed the eighth fewest yards per game, the eighth fewest points per game. Um, Falcons have, Oh, sorry. The, Fal- the Falcons have allowed, sorry, the Falcons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. So the Falcons, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about the saints defense actually. So yeah. Uh, the Falcons are, let me look at this. Um, yeah. So I'm going to St. Brown went for over hundred against them. Deandre Hopkins had that bizarre game where he had 128 and three touchdowns. Um, the Falcons defense has been like really good DVOA. They rank poorly. Um, but they're, they've actually been like really solid and teams haven't put up production against them. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't buy that game environment, I guess is kind of where I'm at on gotcha. that one. And if I'm wrong on it, I'm wrong on it, but no, that's one that's been like out of sight, out of mind for me. The whole game environment has just been one that I, I don't have interest in. Um, one other guy to mention, just cause I'm guessing he's going to be very, very popular when all is said and done due to his price tag and coming off of what was it? An 11 target game, uh, there for the chiefs. Justin Watson is the stone minimum at 3k i know you don't have much interest in that game environment what are you thinking about justin watson here I, i've kind of played around with that you know uh, i mean he's like hashtag not good right and um and then the kansas city's been like trying to figure out the their offense so how many times has a player gone 4x their salary on this kansas city offense six times but who were those players uh, Kelsey once pacheco once mckinnon once mvs once justin watson once sky Moore once so it's like, you know, I don't think that they're necessarily saying like, okay, we're going to keep giving 11 targets to Justin Watson. Um, I don't want to totally write it off. I'm still kind of back and forth on that, right? Of like, is he part, but I'm not, I'm not back and forth on that of like, is he a staple? I'm back and forth on that of like, do I want exposure? So um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't trust this chief's offense in 
terms of like what they show, what they've shown us is what they're giving us because they're just still trying to figure out who are we going to be by the time we get to the playoffs. You know, Bill Belichick, I'm sure he's not saying this anymore with a two and eight team that can't make the playoffs, but he used to always say uh, the NFL season doesn't, doesn't start until after, after, after Thanksgiving. And part of what he meant by that is you're using everything up until then to really figure out what your team is and what's going to advance you through the playoffs, like how you're going, what your identity is going to be throughout the playoffs. And so, uh, you know, the Kansas city is still trying to find who we are as an offense, how we're going to win games. Uh, I don't think that Watson getting 11 targets last week is predictive so much as it's, you know, what they were trying last week and it clearly didn't work. So do they come back and give him, give him another chance or do they say, all right, let's try something different this week. Uh, I really don't know. So I could have some of him, but he's not like a staple for me. All right, a couple quick things before we build our lineup on DraftKings. Want to let you guys know, as always, if you're YouTube members uh, for the Hand Builders and Opto Bros, you hit the join down there. You become a YouTube member, $7.99 a month. That gets you access to two extra premium shows a week, a DFS After Dark interview series that I do on Saturday nights. This week, I'm super excited about my guest, kind of going off more the DFS beaten path. I'm having Coach Speak Index on. His name is Greg. He's created one of the more popular Twitter accounts in fantasy right now where he's built up this repository repository of things coaches saying and then actually seeing if what they say actually translates onto the field and then kind of grading him out and he has a really interesting background grew up in a cult uh he told me so i'm gonna have all kinds of stuff to ask greg on saturday night uh you can become a member and get access to that and then as always sunday we'll have the gpp cram usual time week 12 10 45 a.m you'll get access to that and you can unlock the discord you hop in the deposit kingdom discord you sync your youtube and discorder account and you'll get access to the hand builders channel there all kinds of sharp people in there talking about the slate getting ready for the showdown stuff so without further ado though it's time for jmi jmi jm and I I. To build the lineup. <laughs> all right jm we got the deposit kingdom weekly league here usual deal 420 rake free spots here ten dollar single entry we're at 252 out of 420 if you guys want to get in here the link is posted in the deposit kingdom youtube channel or youtube channel discord in the announcement section that's the only place it's posted but jm uh, i have a feeling where i know you want to start here but uh i will throw it to you just in case you got a curveball up your sleeve i, I do have a curveball because we got to start Ooh. with a building block and that's right i mean josh allen Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, something like that. that's not really a building block, right? I mean, that's just like, that's like a clear stack that I'm going to be attacking. Uh, so I want to throw something interesting out there that I don't know how much of this I'll use, but I'll definitely use some of it. And that is Jalen Warren plus Ooh. George Pickens. Okay. No quarterback, Jalen Warren plus George Pickens uh, and treated as like a 10.1K player. So Typically, uh, an offense is going to produce 55 to 75 DraftKings points from their skill position players. Obviously, a very concentrated offense. So if Najee Harris only gets five or six of those points, if Deontay Johnson gets less usage and only gets 10 of those points, uh, Pat Fryermuth doesn't have like a big first game back, you know, you do have opportunity for these two guys to combine for 20 to 25, or sorry, for 40 to 45 points, maybe even as many as 50 points. You can kind of work out the numbers. I worked them out. Uh, in the in my DFS interpretations in, in the NFL edge if you're an OWS subscriber. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting angle. Again, I don't know how much of this I'll play, but I will play a little bit of this where you're just going to say, let me get this block of points and bet on these guys being central to the offense this week. So if you guys want the vomit player block that you actually won't play, um, 
but you'll look on Sunday and be like, did this one work out? Um, kind of like you, most of you did with the Ritter one. This is one of those, uh, but I will be playing some of this this week. Uh, I love it. Like I said, I, I just filed my piece. It posted earlier today on Fantasy Life, Life looking for hidden gems. And I wrote up Jalen Warren and George Pickens and a couple other Steelers as well. And kind of the same thought as you. I'm like, I don't want to double stack these guys. I don't want to play Kenny Pickett, but I want to be taking stabs at one or two of these guys at the end of drafts because they're getting undrafted. And there is a lot of kind of, I think, input volatility and in how people are thinking about them and could really see them putting up a tournament winning score at basically zero exposure. So I am in lockstep with you on Warren and Pickens in the Steelers offense without Canada. Do we now want to circle back to the tried and true, a, a Josh Allen stack or something Absolutely. else? Absolutely. I mean, I, okay. I don't know how to build this week without it. You know, honestly, my practice builds that haven't had Josh Allen have been ones where like I started with Josh Allen. And then I was like, all right, let me let me do something different. Uh, let me move down to Baker. Let me move down to Minshew and see what that looks like. So, uh, yeah, we'll go Josh Allen. We'll go, um, you know, there's a couple ways to play it. Uh, yeah. Diggs, Diggs hitting means that Josh Allen hits like almost 100% of the time. But Allen hitting doesn't necessarily mean that Diggs hits. So you mm. could go without like I'm going to have plenty without digs this week. Um, I mentioned Gabe Davis. I think he's a really, really interesting piece this week because when Josh Allen, if he's going to throw it 40 plus times, Gabe Davis has good opportunity to hit for some big plays. So we'll start there. Um, and then we could go, like, I'd like to put a second on here. So it could be Laporta. It could be, I mean, not Laporta, Kincaid. It got, it got the wrong rookie tight end. It could be Shakir. Yeah. Uh, it could be, um, Shakir is interesting, right? Because he's like, the targets don't really go up as the pass attempts go up. But, um, you know, we've only had one game with Joe Brady calling the plays, so we could have this opportunity for Shakir to kind of see more looks one of these games. Or Brandon Cooks, right? You look through his game logs, it's like all these games of four targets and then a 10-target game a couple weeks ago where he put up 35 DraftKings points. So uh, Shakir is interesting in this spot, uh, or we could go dig. So uh, I don't know. Do we want to put in that right now, or do we want to kind of wait on that and see how salary shakes out on this? Yeah, let me ask you a slightly macro point on that just because i i know the way i generally have been thinking about tight end it's like if salary isn't a huge issue i generally just like correlating the tight end yeah. with the position it's such a low scoring thing and it's like if josh allen smashes but then you do look at the price tag i mean he's the third uh most expensive tight end on the slate and i'm curious does that change your thought process as far as correlating tight end with quarterback once you get up to those prices not necessarily, you know, I've really, I've, I've something like the Johnny Smith, a couple of Johnny Smith weeks, I've really played very little cheap tight end this, mm. this season. And you look through the game logs on Dalton Kincaid, even Taysom Hill, who I haven't even played, but uh, Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram, Trey McBride, like all these, like, that's why we've seen so many sharp players building with two tight ends this, this season. Um, why you've seen so many two tight end rosters winning tournaments, why you've seen so many like people building with 4k and 5k tight ends is because tight end scoring is up this year. Or I should say more bankable, more reliable. So um, I'm kind of treating this as a different position than we treated it in past years where I'm not just looking for, you know, in the past, it was like the guys who were 4k, they're still getting you those like eight to 12 points with no ceiling. Whereas now these guys have real ceiling, they're in different roles. And so, um, no, I'm totally fine playing Kincaid as far because, you know, the, the price difference between him and Evan Ingram isn't that great. And it's kind of this range of guys that I'm looking at this week is uh, Evan Ingram up to Dalton Kincaid. Let me ask you just one other question then about the different ways to stack Josh Allen. And I obviously do think um, tournament size um, would impact this, but... Uh, as far as, uh, you know, most people feel very comfortable double stacking. Um, are you comfortable triple stacking him? And if so, does it become then cost prohibitive to triple stack with, say, 
Stefan Diggs, or would you think about it with like, hey, what if Allen gets there and it's not Diggs, then just give me Davis, Shakir, and Kincaid. Are those kind of avenues you would entertain? Yeah, especially on a week like this, where like we've said already, there probably won't be that many big scores from individual players. So if Allen has one of these big games, you triple stack and you get an opportunity to capture those scores from the two guys who hit, maybe the other guy puts up 10, 15 points, right? And doesn't kill you. So uh, I would certainly entertain it. And I would entertain it with Stefan Diggs as well. I would be comfortable okay. going there because like, like I said, this is a week to really kind of take price tag off of things a little bit and just think about where can we get those, those raw points. And so it's, I see this as one of those spots where you could certainly do that. And then I'm, I'm kind of, extemporizing i'm speaking off the top of the head because i haven't thought through that angle yeah. yet so um those are kind of my surface level thoughts but yeah cer certainly see the viability viability in that okay so we threw a few things uh against the wall here what uh what would you like to settle on for our josh allen double or triple right now i have gabe davis and kincaid in there or should we rearrange something no yeah let's let's start here and then we can kind of decide if we want to go with that that third option in fact let's say for this bill just because it's fun to talk through some different options and angles. Let's go without that third option on this particular build. Uh, and yeah. I also want to do this one. Let's do this one with no bring back because I think it's okay. viable to do it both ways. Um, but there's certainly like a, you can very easily paint the picture of this stack being a tournament winner this week and AJ Brown putting up 20 points and Devonte Smith putting up 17 points, you know, and, and um, uh, DeAndre Swift putting up his typical like 17, 18 points. Right. So it doesn't have to be, I actually really like the bills to win this game also as well. So um, this doesn't have to be a, a stack where you have to ever bring back. So I'll play it both ways this week, but let's go ahead and do no bring back on this. Give us more flexibility for other pieces on this, on this slate. Awesome. And then just to, um, cause I know sometimes tight end gets the short uh, end of the stick, the way we kind of do the show and get condensed on time. Um, just to let everyone know, it does look like there's going to be three very popular tight ends, Trey McBride, Evan Ingram, and Dalton Kincaid, and then pretty spread out. Otherwise you mentioned kind of gravitating more to the higher price tight ends. Does that carry over to this week? Do you have any other cheap tight ends that you, uh, that you like, or do people need to stay tuned uh, for the, yeah, the well, I mean, they do need to stay tuned to the play grid, but could you pull up the tight end tab on your end? Cause I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to mess up the internet on my end but uh yeah the uh actually uh david njoku is kind of interesting given the okay. way that dtr leaned on him and the, and the way that the matchup funnels things his way uh mcbride i do have Taysom hill in the player grid this week i think he's interesting uh dalton schultz you can go as high as dalton schultz and then if you're going down cheap i think pat fryer muth is the most interesting guy to think about in this spot so kind of a different way to play that steelers offense you know you look through fryer muth's game logs last year same quarterback same caster and it was like all these 12 to 18 point games uh you look through the five games that he played this year and it's like oh well he doesn't crack 10 points ever he's 2900 i think people are going to kind of forget about him but he's capable of putting up 12 to 18 points uh down there at 2900 um i'm staring at the second running back spot and then kind of rewinding what you were saying during the the running back show is this a is this a big dog selection let's go, let's go with the big dog and i honestly i'd kind of like to do the big dog and adam Thielen, which now we've like We've got a Josh Allen stack, which we got popular Kincaid, but low-owned Gabe Davis, moderate-owned Josh Allen, low-owned Jalen Warren with low-owned George Pickens paired together, uh, low-owned Thielen, low-owned Derrick Henry. So there's a thought here of like, oh, well, you just take DFS strategy in theory. You don't want cumulative ownership of whatever this is going to be, like 30%. Right. But to me, another way to look at it is our, our edge should be blending our NFL knowledge with DFS strategy and theory. So when we see a spot where like these are 
in in the player grid this week, I'll, I'll spoil this, right? Derrick Henry and Adam Thielen, before I ever looked at ownership projection, they were my only two light blue chips. And then the Bills, wow. which this is this is free in the player grid, but the Bills were my blue chip play. So it's like yeah. on paper from my research and my NFL knowledge, these were standing out to me as like, okay, these are, these are the top plays on the slate. So when I see an opportunity where my some of my favorite plays on the slate are some of the lowest owned plays on the slate, I'll just pile them all, all onto a roster together. Cause it's not like I'm saying, Oh, let me get different and, and get different again and get different again. It's just saying, Hey, here's some of my favorite plays. Um, so we maybe get a little too funky with the, the Steelers pairing in here. The O Canada pairing is what I named it in the player grid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we get a little too funky maybe with that to where we're getting farther beyond what we need to do here. But um, yeah, I mean, just all plays I really like as far as like at the very top of the pile. So yeah, no, I, I like the way that this shapes up. Yeah. And again, I'll, you know, mention my, my normal caveats here and JM kind of mentioned it as well, just for the sake of getting us into more interesting discussion, we're talking about more plays, but obviously when you're, you're building this lineup, you know, being heavily correlated, especially on a slate like this, that might be low scoring is, is very viable. And I struggle with that sometimes where I'm like, oh, I want to get in all these individual plays I like, but that correlation is so valuable and so important. So I just want to make sure that we're not underselling that element here as we get to talk about a lot of fun plays, just make sure you realize these are practice builds we're throwing ideas against the wall seeing how the pieces fit together and a lot will change over the next 46 or so hours before lock um do you want to put a defense in here to see what that leaves us at flex? yeah obviously we can go as chalky as as we want here so to i know uh chiefs and patriots and broncos yep. are kind of the three popular ones uh chiefs and broncos stand out the most to me patriots uh kind of a, in a tier right below that so let's go ahead and throw the chiefs in here um, yeah. and, and we'll have, you know, maximum salary to work with and kind of my favorite defense, uh, and then see what we want to do down here at 4,400. Um, Mario Douglas, perfectly fine play here where, you know, the Patriots haven't been producing 20 plus point scores, but Kendrick Bourne's done it a couple times, kind of in that like 17 to 24 point range. And, um, certainly Demario Douglas can do that here in this matchup. Um, also to piggyback off like the disclaimers you were given before another thing, and I, yeah. a lot of you have been watching this show since last year. So you understand this, but what we want to be thinking about is not, we don't want to get in the binary thought process that most of the most content does, right. Where it's like, this guy's a lock or this guy's a smash play this week or whatever. What we want to always be thinking about is the reality of the situation is uh, in a range of outcomes, what makes us the most money. And so the range of outcomes before I looked at ownership was that like certain of these players, like, range of outcomes, play the slate a hundred times, Thielen, Derek Henry are going to be some of the guys who go for 30 plus points more often than other guys on the slate. Then you add in the fact that they're low owned. So then range of outcomes would play out the slate a hundred times. What makes you the most money? So does that guarantee these guys are going to hit? No, but it's like, what makes us the most money? And that's how we should be thinking about these things. Uh, also, Pete, we're getting like 8,000 viewers on YouTube. Uh, that's like only 125 X away from the new Heights podcast. Like we are climbing the, <laughs> we're climbing the rankings. Um, I did notice uh, Chris Long, who has a great podcast, the Greenlight yeah. Podcast. He typically gets like eight thousand to nine thousand views per show. So, uh, shout out to us climbing up uh, button heads with with Chris Long in the the competition on YouTube. It's um, I keep tagging these with uh, JM's uh, hot ass in yoga pants. And it's just been doing <laughs> uh, there goes the, the algorithm. Algorithm. 
Oh man, yeah. I wasn't even on screen for part of it. <laughs> Did I, I have I told you it's an inside joke on our our show Lols? But like one time, uh, Brick was just randomly talking about how like on YouTube there's actually like girls doing naked yoga, and I was like, wait, what? Like, how does YouTube allow that? And as a joke, I put in the title like "hot naked yoga," and it's one of our most viewed episodes. Where we just like <laughs> we talked about it for like five minutes, but again, the algorithm and clickbait it does work. But Jam, no, we uh, the show does very well. I just title it the same thing every week. Week 12 DFS strategy with Jam to win, and people uh, pile on to, to see the takes. So, uh, with hot so naked I, I, yoga. <laughs> and, and I should throw, we got to throw one of those in. Um, Jam, appreciate you as always. Thank you for broadcasting from uh, Parts Unknown here to make this happen. I should mention here as well, I'm hopping over immediately after this to the Badge Bros channel, be with those guys walking through this underdog slate. It's the last week to qualify for the Dog Bowl in Miami and underdogs running that same promo. If you do 10 entries in the Dog Bowl, they're 25. Any entries you finish in the top 2000, which is about the top 38%, you get your money back. So it's actually a really, really good promo and you can take some shots. Uh, I will be going to Miami regardless if I punch a ticket or not. But I really want to punch a ticket. We're going to talk that through over on the show today. JM, uh, you'll get all of your stuff up on the site here uh, shortly. They can get access to that. Take advantage. Some of those Black Friday deals, Pete 50 will get you 50% off. There's a bunch of other deals on the site. And then that code, the traditional Pete one, will get you 20% off some of those other packages like JM mentioned with the props. Uh, anything else I'm forgetting, JM, before we get out of here? Uh, shout out to Underdog. Shout out to the Badge Bros. Tell them I said what's up. And um, yeah, if you guys haven't done the props insider, there's 30 spots left out of 350. So uh, take the 20% off and it's 599 right now. Um, we give you the bets. So you don't have to follow NBA. You just have to follow the bets and place them. So um, yeah, cool opportunity to take the 20% off with code Pete. It's like, what is that? 480 bucks math. And um, and we've made plenty of nights where we've made over 500 bucks just on the bets. So uh, yeah, cool opportunity to hop in there on a discounted price and Pete, always a blast. Thankful for this show. Uh, not to get too um, too sappy or cliche, but really appreciate doing this with you. Have fun every week. And uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I appreciate you too. It's Jam. Appreciate all you guys hanging out in the chat. Good luck in week 12. Go ahead and mute uh, the Tim Boyle game. Throw it on mute. Come hang out with us over on the Badge Bros. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.